Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. It's about us. It's just not about how I feel. It's about what's best for us. Prayer should be like that. It should be in behalf of the community. When we come to the throne room of God, it should be an unselfish request. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. When the Lord taught us how to pray, He made it clear that prayer should be an unselfish act. When we go to the Father, we shouldn't just pray for our own individual needs to be met, we should also pray for our community. For the Lord says that we are to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. In today's message, Pastor Ed teaches that as we pray, we are to bring the burdens of our brothers and sisters in Christ before the throne. As we do, our hearts are softened and become unified as a body. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, Persistent Prayer. Again and again in the New Testament, we're encouraged to pray and to pray and to pray and not to stop. Jesus told a story in Matthew's gospel about a Canaanite woman who was following him. And this woman in chapter 15, verses 21 to 28, was saying, Lord, heal my daughter. Her daughter happened to be possessed by a demon. And Jesus walked on. Like nothing was happening. This one. The disciples became irritated because that woman never stopped. She kept on saying, Heal my daughter, Jesus, heal it, heal it. And they said, Lord, have her stop. Have her shut up. And Jesus turns around and says to her, I've come for the house of Israel. And really, the bread is for the children. And the woman looks up and she says, but even the dogs can eat from the bread that falls from the table because Jesus had called her a dog. Now let me ask you, picture yourself going after Jesus. Lord, help me. God, help me. God. And all of a sudden the Lord says, you're a dog. What would you do? Would you run away with your tail between your legs and just moan and groan? Jesus was challenging us through that story, that narrative, and other portions of Scripture not to give up, but to be persistent, to continually pray, even when we feel like the heavens have become brass, God is not listening to us, and we feel like He's not paying attention. Jesus told us, keep on praying. He came to reveal to us what the Heavenly Father is like. He revealed to us how God responds to His children. And He responds to those who will persistently pray. There were some standardized tests 
between Japanese children and American children. And the standardized test proved that the Japanese children again and again proved better in math. And so they said maybe they have a propensity, an innate skill. They did another test with first graders and they put a puzzle before them. And the puzzle was difficult to put together. The children that were American, after almost 10 minutes, they just quit. They gave up. They walked away. The Japanese children kept on going almost to 14 minutes, 40% more. And what it was, they felt, was that the Japanese were more stick to They were more persistent. They wouldn't stop. What the Lord is looking from, for from you and me is that we will persistently pray. We won't give up. We won't stop. Even when it feels like the answer is not on its way. Sometimes it's weeks and months and years. But we need to persistently pray. That's what Jesus is saying. God's children are to persistently pray. Here's what Luke 11, 9 to 10 reads. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Notice the three verbs. Ask, seek, and knock. They grow in intensity. In, in intensity. Asking has to deal with a sense of need and humility. Seeking takes it beyond just asking. You're doing something. You're doing something actively to see it fulfilled. Knocking says you're going to ask, you're going to be in action, and you're going to persevere. At the midnight hour, you'll knock on that door and say, God, you've heard my request. I bring it to you again and again and again. See, only the prayer which comes from our heart reaches God's heart. He says, pray until you pray. Pray until you pray. As you look at this text, there are characteristics of persistent prayer. In verses 5 to 6, He said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Now, bread in the Middle East was more like a utensil, big bowl of stew. Everybody would break off a different piece of bread and then they dip it into the stew and then they would eat and they would take another piece of bread and dip it into the stew and eat. And so a friend had come at the midnight hour, visited this man. He didn't have what was needed for a meal. And so he goes to another friend's house in the middle of the night. And in the Middle East homes at that time, most people were in one room. Everybody was sleeping. The door was bolted. And Jesus says, imagine that person not opening the door. Now that wouldn't happen because the next day everybody would be talking about it. Everybody in that village would have said, do you know what happened? Because it reflects on the whole village. 
What Jesus was getting at is there is a family responsibility when we pray. Persistent prayer is characterized by a sense of community. It's not just about me. It's about us. It's just not about how I feel. It's about what's best for us. Prayer should be like that. It should be in behalf of the community. When we come to the throne room of God, it should be an unselfish request. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. It's communal. It's taking the burdens of my brothers and sisters and coming before God. As we pray together with congregants throughout this church, we are coming in unity. So it's characterized by this sense of family, but it's also characterized by a sense of boundaries. Remember the boundaries. If you remember the Lord's Prayer, how does it begin? With God first. Now, in Matthew's Gospel... It's a longer version of the Lord's Prayer. But at the end of it, he talks about how important it is for us to forgive. In Luke's Gospel, a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer. But it ends with, be persistent. Don't stop. Continually pray. Where to remember as we pray, in order to be effective, there's an agenda that God has for us. First of all, he's first. His concerns. That's how the Lord's Prayer begins. With God's concerns first, not the other way around. Many times, our prayers are not answered because they arise out of the wrong motives. Imagine your children coming to you and asking for things that will be harmful to them. Are you going to give it if you know it's going to hurt them? If it's going to set them on a path of self-destruction, would you give it? In James 4.3 it says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend it on what you get on your pleasures. So one of the boundaries is, is this the will of God? Is, is this in correspondence with the word of God and and we begin to think about okay does it include family does it include boundaries is it my request as I petition God am I asking God for something that first of all is not going to harm others it's something according to his will something that is going to be pleasing to him notice that you have these characteristics but You also have in this text the development of uh, persistent prayer. In verse 1, it says, On that day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Prayer was a part of Jesus' life. It was his discipline. Now, it's okay when you're in a foxhole to pray. Don't not pray. But take it outside the foxhole, into your daily life, into every day. Make it the habit of your life. Develop the discipline of prayer. Jesus said, 
Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. At this point, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said, stay with me and pray. And they were just so weary and tired. They all fell asleep. They didn't last the midnight prayer hour. And Jesus said, you know, I know your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Develop the discipline of prayer in your life. Uh, There are a lot of obstacles in our life to developing that discipline. Uh, First of all, we're pulled this way and that way. And then we can focus on the wrong things in life. Life goes by. And what we should be focusing on is our relationship with him and thinking about not just the moment, but eternity. It's easy to get caught up with the culture and to see that deep, fervent love diminish. First love, don't take it for granted. Our love for God can be choked and destroyed by a love for this present world. So to develop the discipline means I'm going to be very conscious of all the obstacles that I am facing spiritually and I'm going to just pray. Sometimes you pray and that child still goes through a divorce. Sometimes you pray and that loved one still dies. Sometimes you pray and the circumstances don't change. But it doesn't mean you give up. You persist. That's what Jesus is saying. So you keep on pushing through. You keep on pushing through. In fact, that acronym is PUSH. Pray until something happens. Well, I didn't get healed, but I'm going to still pray. I didn't see those changes in that person and that relationship hasn't changed, but I'm still going to pray. God, I still got these terrible feelings inside and these terrible emotions. I'm still going to pray. You push through. That's what persistence is. You pray until you pray. You keep on going before God again and again and again. Your last breath, even if God doesn't answer it, is a prayer. That trusting God, this is really important because it happens again and again. If we're going to develop the discipline of prayer, we have to make sure we don't get offended with God. John the Baptist was one of the greatest of all the prophets. John was locked away in prison. How would you feel? You're locked away in prison. You proclaimed, here's Messiah. You were the voice in the land that pointed to the Lamb of God. And now you're in a prison cell and you're waiting execution. Jesus doesn't send you a card. He doesn't visit you. So you send your disciples to him. And he sends the message to you, because you are you the Messiah? Are you the one? That's what John said. And he says, go tell them about all the miracles you see. People being healed, people being delivered, the eyes open. And it's possible at that moment to become offended with God. God, why do you always answer her prayers? 
God, why did you do that for so-and-so and you didn't do it for me? We could begin questioning and become offended with the Lord. I remember my friend Jay O'Hara. Jay was graduating Zion back in the late 70s and I went to the school to see his graduation and he couldn't go through the graduation ceremony because his back went out. He was lying on a cot in the foyer of the school while the graduation was proceeding. He was in such pain. They had taken x-rays of his back and discovered that he was filled with a crippling arthritis. And the doctors weren't sure of his mobility even in the future. They actually took him home from college, back to Brooklyn, New York, lying in the back of a station wagon, flat on his back. They decided to stop at Brother Greco's house, Pastor Greco, and they just wanted Pastor Greco to anoint him with oil. Pastor Greco came to the door, came out, he placed oil on Jay and prayed over him. And Jay was instantly healed. Pastor Greco, though, had rheumatoid arthritis and crippling arthritis, and he was never healed. Sometimes you find yourself ministering to someone else, but you're hurting. You're lifting the load and watching God work, but you're limping along. We have to learn not to be offended with God. There is mystery in the way he deals and works with his people. We will never understand it. And so, just trust him. Keep praying and be thankful that God's answers are wiser than your prayers. He knows what he's doing. He does. God's character, not only because we're God's children and God's children are supposed to be persistent in prayer, but God's character. In Luke eleven thirteen, it says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, God is a giving God. Our prayers are not just about getting. It's meant to be a monologue, not just a dialogue. Parents, if your children are old enough to be out of the house, along the way you get these calls. Dad, Mom, I need some money. Any parents know what I'm talking about? All right, okay, all right. Uh, You know, you haven't heard from them for months. Sometimes God keeps us in a circumstance or a situation so that we'll have dialogue and monologue with him. He keeps us in a circumstance to develop our prayer life. So to develop our relationship with him. Because in the process of persistent prayer... Changes begin to take place in our lives. 
the relationship God has to us. That's what he's concerned about. Notice he says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Uh, God's concerned about enlarging our heart, developing our lives spiritually. Sometimes not all of the circumstances are just right and you have to wait. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and it's one year, two years, three years, five years, ten years and the answer comes. Sometimes in the midst of this dialogue with God, God says to you, you've been praying about the wrong thing. This is how you should be praying. You've been asking for this, but you need to ask for this. Sometimes God's just teaching you to walk on water, to trust him, to believe in him, even though you can't understand him. Our relationship with God is developed during those times. And then our relationship that God has to himself. You know why he does what he does? For his great namesake. That's the big point of this parable. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The point is that God does things for his great namesake, for his glory. It's the character of God. There's a comparison. A friend is going to help you out at the midnight hour, but God's better than the best friend. A good father, if his daughter comes to him and says, hey, Dad, I want want eggs over light today, and he comes out and there's a scorpion on the plate, he says, oh, or a son asks for, you know, a, a cheesesteak and there's a snake in it. God said, you know, I'm better than the best father. Even evil parents know how to do good for their children. So we could trust the character of God. You may not understand it, but you can trust him. You may not be able to explain it, but you can trust him. You may not be able even to get your mind around it and you just say, why? But know that your heavenly father is absolutely good. Why does he forgive us? Psalm 79.9. I've prayed enough. I fasted enough. Help us, O God, our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sin. Why? For your name's sake. You ought to fast, you ought to repent, you ought to pray. Uh, Why does he guide us? For his name's sake. Why does he accept us and not reject us? Because his name's sake. It's because he is who he is. You're not dealing with someone with human frailties who has all sorts of flaws. You're dealing with a perfect father who is good in all of his ways, in all of his character. And God is saying, be persistent in your prayer because you can trust him. You keep on saying, Lord, hear my prayer. Lord, hear my prayer. God, I come before you again and again. And why did Jesus tell that parable in Luke 18? So that 
We would never give up, but we would continue to pray. The Gospels are grand central station for learning about Jesus, which is the single most important part of our lives as Christians. Please join us each day as Pastor Ed teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith.